It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I think Deb Luttrell has found the balance between keeping quilting as a hobby and running a successful quilt shop. Even with owning the largest quilt shop in Texas, she has her own quilting cabin behind her home where she can work on the projects she wants to for her hobby. Also, in spite of all her quilting expertise, I was impressed with how excited she is about an upcoming quilt class. We can all keep learning new things in this wonderful world of quilting. So happy to have Deb Luttrell with me today. Welcome, Deb. Thank you. Happy to be here. Let's start with where you were born and raised. I was born in Cameron, Texas. I am a true Texas native. I've only lived out of the state for about two years of my life. And I got back as soon as I could. Do you have a special childhood memory? I had a wonderful childhood. I was raised by two Christian parents, and it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized that my life growing up was not the normal life because I had two loving parents who made sure that I was in church and taught me good values and morals and all of that kind of good stuff and were supportive. And I loved both of them. One of my special childhood memories is my mother sewing for me. And she sewed my clothes and she made beautiful little girl dresses for me. And I was not a girly girl. I was a tomboy. I can remember her standing me up on the dining room table where she had to take hems in my dresses and me telling her, pants, dig, I don't like this. (laughs) But it was really special because she did make all my clothes. I just regret not having saved those clothes through the years. I'm thinking you probably would have made a quilt out of them. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, besides your quilt shop, did you have other employment? Oh, my gosh. I have worked since I was 13 years old. So, yes. My first job was at the Dairy Queen. I made 50 cents an hour. I was 13 years old. He probably should not have hired me because I was probably not at a legal working age. But I did. I worked for them. Then I worked for the company my father worked at for a little bit. And then I went to work for Southwestern Bell which eventually became AT&T and the Bell System. I worked there for about 10 years. Then I left Southwestern Bell. This was in Tyler. I moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and went to work for GTE Directories, selling Yellow Page advertising. Actually, it was when I was at GTE Directories that I got involved with quilting because I was in a very high-stress management job, and I picked up quilting and found it to be a source of stress relief for me and a lot of fun to do. Mm -hmm. Then I left my GTE position and we moved to the country and I opened a quilt shop 25 years ago. 
Wow. Besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do or have done? Oh, goodness, yes. I've done macrame. I've done ceramics. I've done a little art. I've always been a crafty girl. I've never done much needlepoint or crochet or knitting or anything like that. My mother wanted me to learn how to knit. She just decided I was going to learn how to knit. It wasn't my idea. So we went down to Michael's and she bought me 10 skeins of yarn and some knitting needles and a pattern to make a sweater or something and said, here, you need to learn how to knit. And needless to say, that did not go well and I did not catch on. But macrame, absolutely. I mean, how many macrame potholders does one place need? My mother begged me to quit making macrame. Do you still make it now and then? No, I don't do macrame anymore. But I did have a macrame table that I made in my bedroom when I was a teenager. Wow. Are there any other hobbies? My business. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking cooking, gardening. You know, I really am someday going to learn how to make those really cute cookies that you see everywhere. And I have all the stuff to do it. I had decided I needed another hobby besides quilting. And so my hobby was going to be cookie making. And I went and took a couple of cookie making classes, which was loads of fun. And I got all inspired and I bought all the stuff. You ought to see the stuff that's in my pantry for cookie making. I have all of the dyes. I have all of the icings. I've got the flour. I've got the cookie cutters, everything you need, but I just haven't started doing it. But that's in my future. I'm going to do that someday. (laughs) Tell me who introduced you to quilting. I guess I would blame my introduction to quilting on my aunt. She was 65 years old at the time, and I would go visit her, and she had discovered quilting. My aunt, she was very crafty. She did it all. She did crochet. She did tatting. She did knitting. She did rug hooking. If it was crafty, my aunt did it. But she discovered quilting, and I would go over to her house, and she would be working on these quilting projects, and... She made big quilts. She did not want to make a small quilt. I was just inspired by what she did. And she cut everything out with scissors. She cut all her strips out with scissors. And she inspired me. I just can't explain it. And then I had a friend at the same time. I was kind of dabbling in trying to figure out, you know, how to make a quilt. I had a friend who was a very proficient quilter and One night, I can remember going over to her house, and she pulled all her quilts out and started showing them to me. And I just, I don't know, I just fell in love with it. I just really wanted to learn how to do it. And so I set out on a road to figure out how to quilt. And what did all that encompass? My first book was Quilts, Quilts, Quilts. Now, I will have to tell a backstory with this. When my son was born... I wanted to quilt him 
a quilt for his baby bed. My mother taught me to sew when I was 13. And so I sewed my clothes until I was out of high school. And so when I decided I wanted to make a quilt, my attitude was, well, I know how to sew. So how hard could it be? So I went down to my local fabric store and I picked out, it was actually a panel. It was a very simple panel and I was just going to put a little simple border around it. And I absolutely could not figure out how to do it. And I ended up giving that project away to someone to do for me. So there we had that. And that was a total massive failure because I just could not visualize it. Mm -hmm. So eight years later, nine years later, I got inspired by my aunt and my friend. And I started looking at books. I mean, we didn't have the internet. And the first book I bought was called Quills, Quills, Quills. I know a lot of your listeners know that book and probably have had it. And I chose a quilt out of Quills, Quills, Quilts to start working on. Well, in the meantime, I went down to my local quilt shop and I took a quilting class And this was not a beginner quilting class. This was a class that was a project that was full of all kinds of stars. And, of course, I did not know anything about anything. I didn't know you were supposed to have a quarter-inch seam. I did not know that it was not a good thing to cut off the points of your stars. I just went through this class like, what's the big deal? I'm sure everybody in the class looked at it and went, really? I have got that quilt still, that quilt top. I never did have it quilted, but I still, I have that quilt top that I show people who are starting out quilting saying, you know, this was my first stab. (laughs) (laughs) But I did choose a project from Quilts, Quilts, Quilts. And I also chose a project, you know, because from the very beginning, I multitasked. I couldn't just have one project going on. I guess my first project that I actually finished was a Eleanor Burns log cabin, of course. Hmm. So that was the actual first one that I pieced. I quilted it by hand and I actually put a binding on. Describe your favorite quilt. Currently, I love Scrap Crazy quilts. Scrap Crazy is something we sell here. I discovered it a few years back it uses a creative grids template set and it uses a layer cake and i just love scrap crazy because it's such instant gratification i literally can make a scrap crazy quilt in a day put the borders on it and have it ready to quilt by the end of the day which, oh, by the way, the quilt in a day log cabin did take me longer than a day to make. (laughs) But I love Scrap Crazy. In times past, a quilt that comes to mind that was really a fun quilt was a quilt called Planet Maze. You know, I even forget now whose pattern that is. But I remember having made that thinking that was one of the most enjoyable projects I have ever made because it was complex. It was not a scrap crazy style. And I also enjoy Judy Niemeyer quilt works. 
projects. I love paper piecing. So all of my quilts I've made that have been quilt works have been very enjoyable for me to do. Neat. Do you lean toward a certain color palette you like to work with? Right now, my color palette is pink because I have a little granddaughter that is a little princess, and she loves mermaids and unicorns and anything pink. It's not my color, but I got a lot of pink in my life right now because of her. I lean toward bright colors. I do make projects from reproduction fabrics. You know, honestly, I can say that I love all of the colors. The project inspires me, and typically I go with the color that's on the project. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I change it around. But more often than not, I would choose the bright colors and the clear colors over the reproduction fabrics, but I do use both of them. Describe the favorite tool you like to use. Oh, we got to have our tools. There's so many great tools out there to make your quilting journey easier. The one that comes to mind would be my stiletto. I was taught how to use a stiletto by, believe it or not, Eleanor Burns. She was visiting the store, and we were actually sewing together. And she looks over at me, and she said, have you ever used a stiletto? And I said, no. And she said, well, come over here. Let me show you. And we just had a little session about how a stiletto can improve your quality of stitch and quilting and seam. And to this day, that's one of my favorite tools is my stiletto. Neat. Describe your favorite part of the quilting process. I would say my favorite part of the quilting process, I do like designing. I don't want to design everything I make. I want to get a pattern from a really great designer who's already gone through the research and the effort to put a pattern out. So I love to piece. I don't enjoy quilting. I don't really enjoy binding. I tell people I have a binding genie. Her name is Jeannie, and I give my quilts to her to bind. And they come back magically with the binding on them. So I would say it's piecing, designing and piecing. Neat. Ready for my fun question? Sure. What was your worst quilting experience? Oh, man, a worst quilting experience. I guess... I would say I went to the Sisters Outdoor Quilt Show, and we went several years, and I would go and I would rent a machine, and I decided one year that I was going to buy a featherweight because all of my friends were buying featherweights, and so I bought a featherweight. I did not use it before I left to go to the retreat. I know, I know, I know. You can't believe I did that. I carried this featherweight, which guess what? Featherweight is a misnomer. A featherweight is not a light machine. It is heavy as can be. I carried it on the plane all the way to Bend, Oregon, Sisters, Oregon. 
And I got there, I set it up in my first day of class, and that was the first time I'd ever sewn on it. I know, I know, you can't believe I did that. And I hated it. And the end of first day, I was like, I need my bells and whistles. I need my up and down. I need my knee lift. And I boxed that featherweight up and I went and rented me a machine. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cause I've heard so much good about featherweights. That's interesting. Yeah. No, no, not for me. I know. I want those modern machines. You can have the featherweight. <laughs> I think they're cute. I'd love to have them just to sit around, but that's an expensive thing to sit around. Yeah. Now, why do you make quilts? I make quilts because it is a creative outlet. I feel like when I make a quilt, I am creating something. I'm being able to work with fabrics. I love just the process of having a design come to life. I like it because it's a distraction from my work, which my work is not quilting. My work is a business. And I like having something that I can make for someone that is a gift of time. We can buy things and we can buy presents for people. And nothing is more appreciated than a gift of time. Gifts of money are okay. You know, gifts that you just go and buy with money. But when you give someone a gift of time, then it means so much more to them. And so most of the quilts that I make, I do end up giving away to somebody. And a lot of times I give them to people I, I don't really know very well that I've made a connection with for one reason or another. And I gift them with a quilt, and they are just always blown away that I've done this. My granddaughter just turned five years old. I started out making her a quilt for her birthday every year. So, so far, every year on her birthday, I give her a quilt. And I hope that through the years, it's something that she holds on to and she remembers me by because of the quilts that I gave her for her birthday. Neat. Do you think she'll ever get to the point where she'll help you make that quilt? Oh, absolutely. She's already sat at the sewing machine, and we've sewn a little bit, and we talk about sewing, and she loves to come to Momo's Magic House, which is my cabin that's behind my house that I sew in, and she loves to create things. She's very creative as well. And so I give her all kinds of opportunity to express her creativity. Right now, it's not sewing, but it's through fabric. She loves playing in my fabric. I let her cut my fabric apart and make little collages and things like that. Fun. Yeah. So you have a whole separate little cabin for your sewing room. I have a home that has three bedrooms, and one of the bedrooms was my sewing room. But I enjoy having my sewing room apart from my house. So I have six acres. I have plenty of land. So in 2015, I built a, it's a thousand square feet. So 20 by 50 foot building. 
it's just behind my house and it's a place where I create and I can go out there. I can do whatever I need to do. I can mess it up if I want to and I don't have to clean it up. I close the door and I come back the next day and it's right where I left it. It's a wonderful, wonderful sewing space. I'm very blessed to have it. Mm-hmm. What are you working on right now? I'm working on an embroidery project right now. I just purchased a Bernina 880 embroidery machine. And I took my class and I am just really excited about being able to do embroidery. It's the pumpkin by Claudia's Creations. The cover photo is just a traditional orange pumpkin. I'm doing mine in white and grays and silvers and sparklies and all of those types of fabrics. It'll be a real neutral kind of a pumpkin. Huh. Yeah, Claudia's coming out uh, either June or July for a workshop here. I can't wait to take a class from her. Yeah. Can you tell me a tip that you like to give? I would say to pay attention to your cutting. Cutting is where your quilt can be very successful or very unsuccessful. It all starts with really good, accurate cutting and really straight straight lines and measurements. And then the next thing that will impact your quilt success is to really pay attention to your quarter inch seam. Make sure you know what it is and how to achieve it on your machine. And then the third thing that will drive your success of your quilt is your pressing. So if you do those three things, if you cut properly, if you sew your quarter inch seam properly, and if you press properly, you know, a lot of people talk about using a scant quarter inch. I never really have understood that because if you use a quarter inch and you use it properly and you press properly, then your quilt should be what it needs to be when you get finished with it. Hmm. So just stick to the basics, you know, really learn the basics. Yeah. Describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby and it became a business. Yeah, well, quilting as a hobby is still a hobby. And my business is a business. I never have felt like my business was quilting. I do quilting because I enjoy it as a hobby. But I have a passion for business. And it just so happens that I provide products and services in my business to quilters, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. I worked for GTE directories, and I was on a team with GTE directories that we applied and won the Malcolm Baldridge Award, which is a quality award. It's sponsored by the Department of Commerce. When I was at GTE directories, we worked for about five years to win this award. And during that time, I was over the customer service group of 
planning for the winning of that award. I know it sounds weird. It's kind of difficult to explain what we had to do. But during that, I learned all about quality. I learned all about customers. I learned all about thinking like a customer. And I learned about appealing to customers and learning that things like if you have to have trust. Trust is the number one thing in business. If someone doesn't trust you, they will not buy from you. You know, just basic rules like that. And so I was quilting while I was at GTE. I made my first quilt. I quit my job at GTE Directories. And we decided to move to the country and raise emus. So we found a house to buy and the emus never happened, but I ended up in Quitman, Texas. And I had said to my husband how neat it would be to be able to have a quilt shop. I got bored. And so I went and opened a quilt shop, which later I would teach people, you do not open a quilt shop because you're bored. (laughs) That is the number one reason not to open a quilt shop. But I opened this quilt shop, and yes, I opened it because I loved quilting, but I found out that I have a passion for business. So we've grown this business from a 1,000 square feet in, well, 25 years ago, 1996. And when we finish with our next building phase, which we're building here in Quitman, we'll have over 65,000 square feet here. Wow. Now, didn't you just build a new building right before COVID hit? Yes. In October of 19, we moved into a 17,500-square-foot building. We have a 7,000-square-foot showroom. This building makes us the largest quilt shop in Texas. And we quickly have outgrown this building. We have a project going on now where we're building a retreat center and six cottages that is adjacent to our main building and where we will be hosting retreats and we will rent it out for people who want to bring their group here. It's just going to be a wonderful, wonderful space. And then we've really started on our phase three, which is a 37,000 square foot office warehouse event center. We have 12 acres here in Quitman. It's been a really, really nice arrangement with us and the city of Quitman because we're bringing a lot of commerce here to them. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope people go out and look on your website because you show your cabins and all that, and it looks so good. Yeah. We have a gallery that shows our shop as well, and it's got some really nice pictures of our store. Well, every time I see Quitman... I think it says Quiltman. Do you of think <laughs> You think they'll change the name of the town for you? I don't think so. I think we're going to bring back the Quiltman Outdoor Quilt Show this October. And so I'm going to reach out to our mayor and ask him to make a proclamation that for during the quilt show, it's Quiltman. I think I can talk him into doing that pretty easy. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah. I want to know how you felt when you first opened the doors to your quilt shop and a customer came in. Oh, I was just uh, so happy. 
My first customer was a little lady. She was so funny. She came by and she said, I'm going to be your first customer. And we were remodeling the space and she would come in. I'm going to be your first customer. And sure enough, she was our first customer. She's passed on, bless her heart. But I was just so proud. I had a thousand square feet and I had a grand opening and all the people from the town came and we had this party. And little did I know, I really do believe they left my store thinking, oh my gosh, she is selling fabric for $8 a yard. She is going to go out of business. Because at the time, fabric was selling for about $4 a yard at Walmart and Joann's and those places. And one day, I had $35 in the till at 5 o'clock. And I remember looking out into the parking lot thinking, what in the world have I done to make all of these people mad at me? (laughs) Well, that was a wake-up call for me. And so I decided, you know what? Young lady, if you're going to make it in this business, you are going to have to figure out ways to get people to come see you. And so I kicked in some of that GTE customer service training, and I started thinking like the customer. And I started having events and retreats, and I got a newsletter together, and I started doing some marketing. And, you know, 25 years later, I'm still here. So when did you start offering the cruises? Cruises came about in 2010. I was approached by a customer, here again, listening to customers. Her name is Martha Adams, and she came in, and she put a brochure down on my desk, and she said, I've just been on this quilting cruise, Debbie. You need to offer us quilting cruises. Yes, ma'am, I said. So I went out and figured out how to offer a cruise, and it filled like in three months. I was using a travel agent. For that first one, he did all the coordinating with Royal Caribbean. So I decided that we could do all the coordinating and it would run a lot smoother. I enlisted my son, who now is my partner in this business, and he started working for us in the travel group. And he put all the cruises together and started working out the procedures and how to do it. And he took all the reservations for about three years. In 2019, the year before COVID, we had 15 quilting cruises. Yes, that's more than one cruise a month. A lot of them were filling with 90 people, which is the limit of the conference center that we have. And then in 20, we had to cancel all of those cruises. And in 21, we've had to cancel all of our cruises. And I've just now canceled our cruises for 22. Oh, really? Yeah. We've decided that we're just going to sit back and wait and see what happens. And when cruising is safe again for our customers, and we know what's going to happen, and we know what the rules are going to be, then we can start over. But right now, I can't can't tell my customers if they have to wear a mask the whole time. I can't tell them if they're going to have to have a vaccine. And until I can get the answers to those things, I can't ask my customers to sign up. Right. So what we did, though, we're not the kind of company that just admits defeat. We decided that we would go ahead and have 
crew-style quilt retreats in hotels. And so Land Ahoy Quilt Retreats was born. And this is our answer to the cruises going away. Basically, we've got five locations throughout the United States where we host quilt retreats. We just did one in Orlando. Next month, we're going to Nashville. Then we come to Texas. Then we have one in Vegas, and we have one in San Diego. And we run these retreats much like we do a cruise, where there's classes, like three class days. There's three sewing days. We have an excursion. It's just a really, really fun alternative to quilt cruising. How neat. And I wanted to ask, how did you come up with your business name? When I opened my store and I was trying to think of a name, I opened it with a friend who did cross-stitching. And we wanted to come up with a name. Now, she was not a partner. She was just a friend. Mm -hmm. And she worked for me a little bit. But she was helping me make decisions. And we wanted to come up with a name that could encompass quilting and cross-stitching. And I'm not a cross-stitcher. So... I don't know. We tossed around a few names, and we ended up with the name Stitch in Heaven. Now I realize that is not a good name because nobody knows how to spell stitching. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how many people will spell it and misspell it. But it is, to my knowledge, there's not another Stitch in Heaven in the world. We did trademark the name, and even apart from that, I guess everybody else realizes it's not a very good name, too. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a unique name, and I wanted something that was unique, something that our quilters could relate to. We all can relate to heaven, and we know that quilting is just like heaven. As a matter of fact, we used to use the tagline, Stitching Heaven is a Quilter's Paradise, because those kind of things speak to us. I certainly hope when I get to heaven. I still have my fabric and I still have my rotary cutters and I still have my sewing machine or machines. (laughs) Because you have to have more than one, you know. (laughs) Is there anything else you would like to share with me? I'd like to encourage everyone to check us out and look on our website. We have a lot of things to offer here. We do block of the month programs. We have an extensive e-commerce platform. We just launched a new product called Grab and Go Ready to Sew, which are pre-cut kits. And we're appealing to people who might have arthritis and are people who don't like to cut out their projects. We've got, of course, our Land Ahoy. We've got our sewing machine service and sales. And we are about to be a regional handy quilter service department so we've really got a lot to offer i'd like to invite everyone out to the retreat center and to the cottages just to spend some time here with us and just kind of check us out and see what we've got great and to connect with debbie her links are on her episode page but debbie can you share your website link Yeah, sure. It's www.stitchinheaven.com. And stitchin is S-T-I-T-C-H-I-N. 
and then heaven. (laughs) (laughs) And in the website line, there's no apostrophe on that, correct? Right. Stitchinheaven.com, no apostrophe. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I so appreciate it. Well, yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you for asking me. Uh huh. Bye bye. Bye bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.